I'm Lisa Salberg, founder and CEO, and today I am joined by a dear old friend, Dr. Harry Lever from the Cleveland Clinic. Later on in this broadcast, we're going to talk to you about the issue of generic drugs, but we're going to start off with talking to Dr. Lever a little bit about what it's like to be in Cleveland right now, all things COVID. So welcome to the broadcast, Dr. Lever. Hi, how you doing? Doing good. So how are things in Cleveland and what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, so far in Cleveland, we're not in too bad a shape. Uh, the last I had heard, we had about 10 patients or so in, our, in the main branch of the Cleveland Clinic, but the numbers are going up in terms of Ohio, and you know we're nowhere near what's going on in New York or California. So we're we're seem to be okay, but we're gearing up for a, uh, the the rush. That's unfortunate. In terms of the HCM patient management that uh, you are dealing with right now how have things changed you're using virtual offices uh, yeah, we're, we're doing virtual visits and uh i've had a couple of patients and so far they're okay and i've told them not to go out of the house and like they're telling everybody but we got to be particularly careful with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy patients because we don't want them to get sick with their with trouble with their lungs and that's what we're trying to avoid. So everybody should stay inside. So today we're going to talk about something a little different than hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And you've offered to come back later in the week or next week to have a general all things HCM discussion. But today we're going to do something a little different. And we're going to talk about generic drugs, which I know is a matter that you've been given a lot of your time to, and you've spent a lot of time researching and I'm going to hand it off to you. And all I'm going to do is be your slide advancer for this portion. So without further ado, it's all yours. Well, it turns out that it's not just about generic drugs. Uh, we really are in a problem because a lot of the stuff that we need to take care of patients with this virus comes from China. That means the, the tubes that, that have the fluid in it that they do the nasal swabs have been coming from China. The N95 masks have been coming from China. The gowns have been coming from China. That makes the supply chain very long. And it's only last yesterday that, or Saturday that some stuff did get shipped in from China. So that's, that's been a major problem. Now, having said that, we have a, made lots of problems with generic drugs that are made overseas. Now, how did we get into the problem of generic drugs? Well, Senator Hatch and Congressman Waxman in 1984 came up with this Hatch-Waxman Act in order to get more drugs on the market cheaper so that they wouldn't have to go through uh, all the regulations to if wanted to get a generic drug on the market, didn't have to go through all of the problems of getting a new drug on the market. So it would make things cheaper and they would come up with an abbreviated drug application that had less requirements and therefore cost less money than the new drug. Ordinary generic is not exactly like the original drug. That's important to know that. The inactive ingredients are not the same. The authorized generic, on the other hand, is exactly the same as the original drug. So ordinary generics are not necessarily the same as the name brand or authorized generic. I'm going to pause you there for one second, if I could. When you say the ordinary generic is not exactly, my understanding is that the percentage has to be 75 to 125 percent of the name brand 80 to 125 80 to 125 so that's a big swing but the problem comes in it's not so much the active ingredient that may be different it's all the inactive ingredients that causes the drug to be absorbed that can be different one of the problems is as we'll show here that 90 percent of the active ingredients 
come from China. 40% of the finished drugs are coming from India. And there's a bad history of fraud with these overseas companies. All generics are not of the same quality. And there's a lack of adequate unannounced inspection by the FDA. It's even worse right now. There are no, and I mean no FDA inspectors in either India or China at this time. So nothing is being inspected. Most of the time, we are not told which companies the active ingredients are coming from. The FDA, for some unknown reason, says that that's confidential information. Yet if I go to the grocery store, I can tell where my apples are coming from, you know, whether they're coming from Mexico or the United States. I can, we can tell where our fish comes from, but we can't tell where our drugs come from because somebody decided that's confidential information. And we're hoping to get that changed. And hopefully this crisis that we're in is going to wake some people up. The problem with the generic drugs is there have been far too many drug recalls. The condition in some overseas plants are deplorable. How would you like to see that walking through the plant where they're making your drugs, that monkey? This right here is actually a monkey. That's a monkey walking through the plant. And look at the barrels. I mean, the floor is not clean. It's just great. How about these birds that are up on the pipes up here in this factory and these bird droppings on these barrels? Wouldn't that make you feel good? Now, let's look, take a look at this bathroom. Notice that the, there's a urinal there. I don't want to be gross about this, but there's no... This hose that's coming out of it, it's not connected to anything. So there's just all this dirt and mold there. And then look at these barrels. Wouldn't that, that make you feel good? Look at the bug on this tablets here, capsules here, manufactured by a company by the name of Dr. Reddy. You don't want anything that comes from Dr. Reddy. Now, how about this lizard in this other thing here? That make you feel good? I'm doing something in there and there's a lizard. So that's where your drugs are coming from. Is that a lizard or a snake? I thought it was a lizard, they told me. Now, there have been all kinds of problems with factories. This warning letter said that when an inspector asked a quality control analyst to describe the contents of unlabeled vials, the person immediately began dumping the contents of the vials into the drainage sink and then said that the contents couldn't be determined. Inspectors said they found unofficial records on 75 batches that had problems from black particles to fibers and glass particles in them. Unofficial records showed up to 14% failure rate on some batches, but investigators found that the problems were not investigated and official records showed that the batches met all specifications, but they didn't. What? Where did this data come from? Huh? Where did this data, or this? It came from some factory over there in India. And I'll and a warning letter. I subsequently had a long conversation with an FDA inspector. On top of those record keeping problems, investigators found the toilet near the gowning area for sterile area where urine leaked from urinals and, and stood in a puddle near the drain. Mold and mildew were also found in the area. That's what those pictures were. And said the plant had been warned about sanitation issues in the past. The Indian company Lupin received a FDA form 483 after the product was found to con be contaminated with human hair. Now, uh, the problem with the 483 is it's a form that the FDA makes out, but it's so redacted that you have a hard time even figuring out What's wrong? Now, this is a place, this goes back a few years, but this is a place where they were extracting heparin from the small intestine of a pig. And you'll see this came out of the Wall Street Journal. They're, they're dealing with the intestines here and, you know, in this very dirty place. And here's a, she's carrying crude heparin in this bucket. You know, want to, want to inject that in your veins? Next. No gloves, no masks. Nothing. All around. And this is heparin. That's heparin, yes. Now, 
It's well known that there's a readmission rate to the hospital of 20% within 30 days for heart failure. Some of the readmissions are the result of poor drugs. Patients will suffer, readmissions cost money, hospitals are fined by CMS. And in the end, the cheap, poor drugs cost more money. Now this is, goes back to the problem with the heparin. And this was a very severe problem. In 20, late 2007 or 2008, there were four children that developed a severe reaction to what they realized was heparin when they were on dialysis. And fortunately, the pediatric nephrologist who was taking care of them realized something was wrong. She immediately reported it to the FDA, who then went to the CDC. It took them five months to find, figure out that the Chinese had put in supersulfated chondroitin sulfate in the heparin because at that time, there was a disease in the pigs in China where the heparin was coming from. And they found out that this supersulfated chondroitin sulfate had some anticoagulant-like activity. But that was in one paper. There was another, some work that was done at a medical center in upstate New York. They found out that when rats were given the supersulfated chondroitin sulfate, they all died. But that paper never got published because they realized that there was no point in using this stuff. But the paper had been published that was done in test tubes and it was an anticoagulant. It turns out that what had happened was an American drug company called Baxter went to a venture capital firm in Wisconsin to have their heparin made, and they turned went to China to have it made. The plant was never inspected. Nobody knew about this supersulfated chondroitin sulfate. And as a result, about 200 people in this country died of this, this stuff in there. <laughs> and uh, it caused a, lot, caused a lot of trouble. The consequences of poor drugs are that, first of all, physicians have a, no control over which brand of generic drug a patient will receive, even though we are responsible for the patient. For example, all diuretics from different manufacturers are not the same. Pharmacies can change the manufacturer by the month, and the physician will not know that. As a result, patients may go into heart failure from poor drugs. I've corrected the problem by merely changing the manufacturer and keeping the dose of the drug the same. I specify the generic manufacturer that I will accept. And sometimes I get into arguments and it takes a lot of time dealing with these pharmacies because all they care about is the price and not the, the quality. We've had major problems with a drug called tacrolimus used by patients who have heart transplants. And when the manufacturer has been changed without our knowledge, we've seen patients reject the heart and even die. I'm gonna pause you there for a moment. Editorial comment. This is my bottle of tacrolimus. Actually, I take one and a half milligrams a day, so I have a one milligram and a half milligram. I have been on tacrolimus for three years now since my transplant, and my numbers were stable. When you have when you're taking tacrolimus, they test your blood levels, and anything under five is not therapeutic. For me, my sweet spot was a seven. I wanted to be at a seven. And I stayed at a seven until I got this batch of drugs. This is from one manufacturer, and I'm not going to name the manufacturers right now. This is from manufacturer A. This is from manufacturer B. I started taking manufacturer B, and just out of caution from listening to you, I went and I had my blood work done. My blood work came back abnormal for the first time since my transplant after I switched to this drug. My levels of tacrolimus were 4.8, which is below therapeutic, which means I could have begun to reject my heart, and it could have killed me if I didn't know to go check my blood work again, because you taught me how to do that. So now I had to go back to my pharmacy, 
this is very expensive medication. I have to go to a specialty pharmacy. And I had a fight with them to get my other manufacturer back. I'm assuming that one of my manufacturers has a higher level of drug per dose than the other because of that 80% you talked about earlier. And now I'm back on the regular drugs and my blood levels are back to a seven. So I could have been one of the ones who had an adverse event had I not known this information. So thank you for that. And we've actually studied some brands of this tacrolimus and there's clearly a difference in dissolution in some right. of them. Now, uh, we've had some very bad problems recently. The antihypertensive drugs were, some antihypertensive drugs called angiotensin receptor blockers were contaminated with a carcinogen. And in because in 2011, the Chinese manufacturer who was, who decided, they, they decided they wanted to make, it was uh, Valsartan was the drug, and they decided that when the drug went, could go generic, uh, that they wanted to change the manufacturing process and they used a rocket fuel to extract the active ingredient. Well, that left this carcinogenic and it left it associated with the drug. The problem is that was done in 2011. The FDA didn't know about it and we didn't recognize it till 2018. Recently, that same chemical has been found to be in Zantac and that's a drug that's commonly used when people have heartburn and that's the mechanism of that is different it seems as though that the drug becomes unstable when it's absorbed into the stomach and that chemical is formed with the absorption process so that's that drug has now been removed from the market it's been on the market for 30 years so just think about how many people have swallowed those tablets now 40 percent of our genetic drugs come from india there have been severe quality problems an example is metoprolol succinate that many of you use made by Dr. Reddy and Walkart have been a real particular problem. They have been shown not to pass dissolution tests. And this just shows the percent fraud and the FDA has detected in India and in China, which is very high. The FDA has never examined nearly 1,000 of 3,000 facilities in other countries that make and export our ingredients to this country. So think about that. A third of the drugs never were inspected at all. No antibiotics have been made in this country since 2004. There's a shortage of drugs because of the lack of manufacturing sites in this country. But there is a new drug company called Civica RX that is, going, is, going, is making injectable drugs in this country that are in short supply. And uh, they're also going to be making insulin cheaper. There's been an arrangement made with Blue Cross. And uh, this, before this crisis hit, Civica RX was working with Blue Cross to market a cheaper insulin because insulin has gone through the roof. The price of it has just gone through the roof and something has to be done about that. Do we know any timeline on when they're- I'm not exactly sure because this, it's, <laughs> our brains are elsewhere right now. They are, they now, are. This is was this problem with the angiotensin receptor blockers and Novartis had, had been making the drug, the patent had expired. This Chinese company was started making it. They're the ones that put in the carcinogen got in there. And there are three drugs that were involved. And 1,159, 1159 lots of drugs have been recalled. That's an astronomical number of tablets. And now we find with this drug metformin for diabetes, about half of what's been tested, this is very recent data, has been uh, shown to same, have the same carcinogen. Can you trust generics? This is from Blue, uh, Business Week at Bloomberg. The answer is no. Drugs need to be tested before they're sold. And there's one pharmacy in this country, it's Valisher, that tests every drug they sell before they, 
before they sell it. So I've sent many patients to Valisure for the angiotensin receptor blockers because I know there's no carcinogen in them because they've tested it. They test per batch, right? Per batch. Per batch. So the recommendations are that they we got to recognize that all generics are not of the same quality and the FDA is either unwilling or unable to adequately ensure they are when treating a patient who is stable and suddenly changes clinical status you got to check to see what manufacturer they got we got to make patients aware of this problem and encourage them to check their pills before they leave the pharmacy this is very important do not walk out of the pharmacy until you look at the tablets and make sure they're the same as what you've been taking and don't let them tell you that everything is the same because it's not the other thing that i do is there's a program that's readily available on the intranet called drugs.com and you can identify the manufacturer that you got if they don't sometimes they don't even put it on the bottle and that's that's a problem too that they don't uh, so when i'm see a patient sometimes i i just look at the drugs.com i get the number off the tablet and then i can identify the manufacturer and then there are two must reads here one is a book a bottle of lies by Catherine eban it's been on the bestseller list of the new york times for scientific books i'm in one chapter of that book chapter 19 and the title of the, the chapter is solving for x because i tell patients that it used to be there was one unknown the patient now we've got two unknowns the patient and the drug you know we don't know is the, is the patient getting worse because patients just getting worse or is it because they got a bad drug the other the other book is very frightening and it talks about the, a lot about the heparin and the drugs coming from china is china rx by rosemary gibson and i recommend that that you read that book also so I have to tell everybody that at last year's Heart Failure Society meeting in Philadelphia, Catherine Eban was a keynote speaker and she brought the book up and, you know, she was discussing the book and from her keynote, she brings up this physician from the Cleveland Clinic who is, as I believe she called it, a bulldog in terms of protecting patients against generic drug problems. And so I had to buy a copy of the book and have it signed off and sent over to Harry. But um, Dr. Lever was called out at this meeting by the by the author of that book. So I definitely, if I had, if it was in my office, I would hold up a copy of it. But unfortunately, I'm not able to go to my office. So it is it is a very interesting book. She's done a fantastic job of researching and providing a lot of citations and certifications as to what she's saying is legit. It's not opinion. This is scientifically proven. Uh, it's a fantastic book. I had occasion. If you get this book and you you read it. There's an inspector in there by the name of Peter Baker, and he went into the same plant that uh, when I told you about the metop. I didn't tell you this story, but in in 2012, I recognized that there was a problem with metoprolol succinate. All of a sudden, people weren't doing well, and I started looking at what they were taking. It was made by a company called Walkart. I wrote to the FDA. They told me they'd get back to me and let me know what they found. Well, 18 months later, they sent me a letter and said there was no problem. At seven months from that letter, it turns out Peter Baker had been in that plant and found all kinds of problems. They chose not to believe what he said, but about three months after I got that letter from the, uh, from the FDA saying there was no problem, the drug was removed from the market because it didn't pass the solution test. So it, it was really true that there was a problem. And, you know, when you read the book, you'll see, you know, it gives, gives a lot of details about these issues. So, Harry, what do we do? What do you think we should do as a nation? Well, I think that we have to take advantage of this horrible situation we're in right now. And we cannot be dependent upon getting drugs from overseas. We've got to rejuvenate the drug industry in this country. 
and we've got to say no more. You know, this Civic RX is one company that's getting started. We've got to, unfortunately, we've got to put some money into the drug industry and we've got to give them uh, incentives to start making the drugs here again. We just can't depend upon stuff coming from overseas. One of the questions is, how do the drugs get here? Do they come, come on container ships? What are the temperature conditions in those ships? We don't really know. They're not good standards for that problem. How does it get here? And everything needs to be tested before patients swallow it. It doesn't cost that much, it turns out, to do that. Batches of drugs should be tested or at least spot tested. And you know, you've got to, you've got to know that everything you're going to swallow is going to be all right. Every bit of food that leaves food factories in this country is tested. So the drugs should be tested. We're going to have to convince the FDA that there's a problem here. And I hope that this horrendous problem that we're in right now doesn't get wasted, that we, we don't realize that. But can you imagine that the, the fluids that were in those test tubes to do these throat swabs are coming all the way from China? We can't do it here? That's bad. That's frightening when you think about it, especially when the viruses are coming from all over the world now and you don't know what's really infected either. A number of people have asked me, how do I know what my manufacturer is or who my manufacturer is? My labels from my, my pharmacy are very large and they have a little extra tab. So normally you would have a, a label on here. So if you look on the label at the bottom here, you can see, I'm trying to do this properly, but you can see there's a name there that I circled. That's the name of your manufacturer. It's normally found if you're, label goes around in the lower bottom. So where your prescribing information would normally be over here, it's gonna be down in the bottom corner. Normally it can be in different places on different, uh, on different pill bottles, but you'll wanna make sure that it's consistent. And if it's not consistent, if you notice your symptoms are different, specifically with the metropolol issue that we had, people were not feeling great and they didn't know why they weren't feeling great. So this guy down here is the one that taught me how to ask people, when did you fill your prescription last? And can you compare your bottles? Are you really getting the same amount of meds? Some people get really, really tired when they've changed a bottle of meds because they might be getting a higher dose than they used to be getting. And some people feel more symptoms come in because they might be getting a lower dose than they used to get. So if your symptoms change with HCM, I really encourage you to stop and think, when was my prescription refilled and who's my manufacturer? No. If one of my transplant friends, please go get blood work done. One of the problems is that some of the pharmacies don't put the manufacturer on. They'll put the number on the label of the tablet. On the tablet, though, there's always a number or a letter or something to identify it. And that's where I have to go to use drugs.com and look at the picture to see who the manufacturer is. Now, one of the problems is that since so many of the active ingredients are coming from China, even the American manufacturers are using these active ingredients. And then they take the, the tablets or capsules and, and then formulate them with these inactive ingredients that, that cause them to be absorbed. And so what I've done, the only, th the only thing I, it's very difficult because most of the stuff is coming from overseas, but I have felt that an American manufacturer will test the drug before you know, they, they test it better than these foreign manufacturers. If you get something that is totally from a foreign country, that is the active ingredient and the, for, the drug is formulated over there, you have no way of, of any assurance. At least if it's formulated in this country, then you have some chance that they're going to inspect it. And, and that's what I've done. And so far it hasn't been so bad, but, 
But now we do have a way of testing drugs to make sure that they dissolve. And Valisher has tested six brands of ibuprofen and two of them, the drugs didn't dissolve at all. So you're taking this like for a problem like pericarditis or you have pains in your back or whatever, you swallow the, swallow the tablet or the capsule and it doesn't dissolve. How about that? So a third of what they tested didn't dissolve. And so basically we're paying for nothing. We're being robbed. That's right. You're paying for nothing. And, and you wonder how many patients may have gotten addicted to narcotics because the things like ibuprofen just didn't dissolve and they weren't relieving their pain. You know, that, that'd be a very interesting study to see what they were, some of these people were swallowing. It's almost but, impossible to go back and see that though. Right, that is. But, you know, you, you think about that and it's, 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 it's a problem. And they also found that when they tested some Tylenol that there's some rapid release Tylenol that was released slowly and some slow release Tylenol that was released rapidly. I mean, it's, it's, you know, when you really get into testing this stuff, you find all kinds of things. So I want to go back with you for a moment when the original law was, was passed, but let's go back and talk. Yeah. The Waxman Act right. of 1984. <clears throat> In 1984, we really didn't have a lot of sustained release drugs. That's right. And those molecules that make drug sustained release, that encapsulate the, the active agent so it releases in a timely manner in your body and you only have to take one or two doses a day, did they exist in 1984? Not like they do now. Nope, that's the problem. That's one of the problems. And, the, you know, uh, the, there wasn't a lot of science behind that act. You know, they just, and I, nobody knows how they came up with the 80 to 125. Now there's another drug, you know, I'm, I'm not an endocrinologist, but I do know that the drug Synthroid for treating hypothyroidism, the endocrine society says you should not change the manufacturer once you're stable on that, because even name brand drugs from one manufacturer to another can be different. And I've seen patients get into serious trouble because the manufacturer was changed and you just have to keep it once you're established on that, whatever manufacturer it is, you must not change. If you do change, then you better get your blood rechecked a few times. But that again goes to don't leave the pharmacy till you, because they won't take it back once you leave the store. And you always look at the manufacturer if it's on the label and you can see it or ask, you know, make sure they haven't changed it. So let's, let's look at this from a slightly different point of view. So if you're on a generic drug to save money for yourself and for the insurance company, which saving money is a good thing, let's not get that wrong. But if you're taking it to save money and you find that your symptoms aren't improved, the drug isn't dissolving, or you have to go back and forth to the lab to double check your lab work, which then you're paying co-pays and deductibles on your lab work. Right. And putting a burden on the healthcare system by using labs for things that probably we shouldn't have to use them for if we had a consistency in the types of drugs that we're taking. How are, this is insanity uh, by definition, where we keep doing it's, the same thing, banging our head against the wall and not getting a different result. That's a major problem. And, and you know, I see patients come in and suddenly their blood pressure isn't under control and they're on four drugs. And sometimes if you, you can cut some of them out if you give them a good manufacturer. This podcast was made possible by funding from Invitae, providing genetic testing services to the HCM community and other genetic disorders. For more information, visit 4hcm.org. 
So we have a couple of questions. I'm going to put them up on the screen. So uh, Anna wants to know if she missed something. Uh, how do you find out if the manufacturer is okay? She has um, metropolol by Teva. And how do you learn if that's a good manufacturer or one you want to avoid? What, the data. what I do with the metoprolol is if it's sustained release, if it's the succinate, the succinate is the problem because it's sustained release. The, the uh, tartrate is rapid release, but I have most of my patients on sustained release and I either use Lynette or Arales. Now Arales, I'm, it's plus minus whether it's still out there or not, but I use Lynette, which is an authentic generic actually made by AstraZeneca, which is the originating drug company. The formula is exactly the same. And that's what I use. Tiva, Tiva, I use a lot of drugs, but I don't use it. I don't use the metoprolol succinate made by Tiva. Okay. Another question is, another issue I've experienced is that these foreign manufacturers are using a U.S. address and these pharmacies are saying that they're U.S.-based companies. How do you find out where your drug, the active ingredient, how do you find out where that comes from? That's a major problem. And, and, you know, sometimes I look at the, I go to the website and I look at the, uh, um, I look at the picture of where they say it's being made and you, know, you look at it and the building is so small, it's probably just an office. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to know that. And, but I, you know, and, uh, and I've kind of gotten used to, to what, you know, certain drug companies that, that I use and don't seem to have a problem. So a lot of this is just your historic data as you compile it from working with patients from all over the country who are getting different manufacturers, right. people who are highly symptomatic and it doesn't make sense and you alter their meds and right. you the script and the symptoms go away. That's kind of how we have to manage this right now, which is not incredibly scientific. No, it's not. But it's, it's the best that we have. One pharmacy is doing testing and we're finding out some stuff, you know, and there's uh Lamictal is a, an anti-seizure drug and they found that, uh, working with Presbyterian Hospital in uh, New York, that they were having problems with patients on certain brands of this drug. And when they tested it, some of it didn't dissolve at all. Can you imagine taking a seizure drug and it not dissolving properly or dissolving you know, too fast? It's probably if it dissolves too fast, it, it, it's not around long enough to work. That's, yeah, that's a, a huge problem, especially even with the tacrolimus, if it dissolves too soon. That's right. That's right. Yep. Another question from Barbara. Is it safer to only take name brand? No, I don't think you need to do that. It's just a matter of knowing which which seems to work. And and it's um, you know, I've with some what what we've done with uh, some diuretics is I, I just sat down with the pharmacist at the clinic and we've kind of come up with what we seem is reasonable and I have a a short list of what I use. And, uh, you know, and uh, there's torsamide. Uh, torsamide's a problem. And uh, the, there was a company called Camber that's a repackager in India made, and the drug is actually made by Hetero. And it it uh, doesn't work very well. Actually, that was written up in a an article by Anna Edney in Bloomberg News, I was written up in there and we described a problem with a patient who really got into very serious trouble. Uh, and um, it really caused a lot of trouble. And um, I've had, I've had, uh, there was this company Ranbaxi from India that uh, was selling drugs that were uh, expired 
they had falsified data. They, they, uh, they actually went out and the drugs they tested were drugs that were bought in this country that they hadn't even manufactured. And there's a, there's a scientist that I've come to know very well. His name is Dinesh Tacker. He's written up in the book, Bottle of Lies. He was the whistleblower against Rand Baxi and the, the, uh, the company ended up paying a fine of $500 million to this government for fraud. They were put out of business, but you know, it was there were a lot of people that were in serious trouble from that drug. Those drugs, it was, it was like 200 drugs they were making. It was incredible. I want to go back a little bit. You talked about inspections, and I know that I've read in a couple of different uh, places, Bottle of Lies is one of them, that in the United States, if the FDA decides it wants to come and see what you're doing, they knock on your door and say, open up. Right. Going overseas, it's on average a three-month lead time before somebody shows up. That's right. So they know when you're coming. Right. Go to clean shop. That's right. You can't do spot inspections. That's and right. And oftentimes there's been talk about they move the hotel to a luxury hotel for the person who's coming to inspect. They wine and dine them. Yeah. And they try to schmooze their way in. Is that true? Is yes, that that's true. Yep. So that becomes highly problematic. Yeah, first time the FDA was making uninspect, unannounced inspections, but then they stopped, and we don't know why they stopped. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, so we have another question from Dabby. Um, she does mail order, um, yeah. and she gets three months at a time. How do you make sure that the mail order um, pharmacy is sending you the same manufacturer? You call if it's not the same, you call them up and tell them you don't want it, and so you. And you let your physician know also that, you know, that, you know, this is taking an education of physicians. You know, I, uh, it's a problem. A lot of people don't realize it. And um, I was, if you can, you can Google me and you'll find out there was an article about me in MedPage or Medscape, Medscape that physicians do read. And I, uh, I was, uh, somebody found me and I was supposed to give a talk down in uh, Orlando in June, but that's been canceled because of this problem. But they call me the sheriff of generic drugs, and you can, you can you can look at it. I mean that 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 was just. I believe we posted that in the private group for HCMA. I'm not sure if I put it on the H. No, I think I did put it on the main page of the HCMA, right. so you should see but, it there. Um, it's a great article. But it's it's you know you've, you've it's a matter of educating people, and it's just taking time. And you know whenever. Ever I have an opportunity, I'm talking to people, telling them about it. It's, you know, in this art, hopefully that article got around to enough physicians that they look for it. And I, it's amazing when you start talking to people, they say, yeah, you know, I've noticed that's a problem that there are some of these drugs don't seem to work right. So I, I'll add from my point of view, Debbie, um, when I had this problem with my medication and, and having worked with Dr. Lever, I've always uh, tried to stay away from Dr. Reddy because of a number of the quality problems that they've had. So I put a note into my online pharmacy that I will not accept any Dr. Reddy formulation. And I had my doctor send a supportive note that we would not accept Dr. Reddy. That's my personal preference. Now, I also, after they sent me this, they sent me actually, at first they sent me, I didn't even talk about this. They sent me a Dr. Reddy tacrolimus after I'd already told them I will not accept it. They took it back. They didn't charge me another copay to send me what they had which was the Sandoz, which was not the same quality as the Ascend, which 
lowered my tacrolimus level to a dangerous level. And then I found out that the Sandoz was actually manufactured in India. So I got another set of Ascend medications to replace them. So my one prescription had to be refilled three times. And the first two were junk. And that's what's in this bag. This is the ones that in a pinch, I could take them, but I'd have to take double the dose. And God only knows what else I'm getting. So I'd rather not take them. The other drugs, the other one's working better for me. So tell your manuf or tell your um, pharmacist that you will only accept certain manufacturers. Do your research. Speak to your doctor. You know, if you don't have a center of excellence for HCM or it's a, it's not a cardiac med you're talking about, ask your doctor what they know about the manufacturers, and you can do a little of your own digging online through drugs.com. And also, and also, Google them and. See many violations they've had against them so you'll google the company and say put put the name in and say you know violations see how many or recalls see how many recalls they've had see a lot of recalls that's a big warning absolutely so we're going to pivot here a little bit to the next question and then we're going to wrap up so Rhonda's listening from kentucky you're very welcome uh she's asking a COVID 19 question if we need to be admitted for shortness of breath and we go to the hospital that our coe is um so our center of excellence or should we go to any other hospital what should they do if they're affected well i think what i've been, been reading and they're talking about on television that this can hit you very fast and i think that you might not have the opportunity to go to a center of excellence and you just you just you gotta you know if, if things are going really bad then they're gonna have to put you on a ventilator so i wouldn't waste a lot of time I wouldn't, I wouldn't travel a lot some, you know, 50 or a hundred miles to get to a place. You need to, you know, got to go to the closest hospital. What we've been recommending to our patients and members of the HCMA is if they feel that they're that ill and they need to go to the hospital, they should call their center of excellence, let them know that they are symptomatic COVID-19 and ask for the physician to speak to the physician in the emergency room or the hospital of their choice to ensure that they're properly managing the medications that are needed for HCM, especially if you're obstructed, the doctors will work together to make sure that your, your treatment is optimized. That's pretty much all I've got on that. Would you agree with that assessment, Harry? Yeah, that's right, I would. Things I really would recommend reading the books because uh, it, when, I, when I got my copy of the book, I first read my chapter, I wanted to see what she said, you know? But then when I got into the rest of the book, I really became frightened. And and it's it, the, some of the stories are just horrible. What's going on? And you know. Okay, so we do have another question from Anna. How do you find the best manufacturer? Is it about the best, or is it about the most consistent for you and your? Well, that's, that's a problem, and there aren't many people making aldactone. I've have found mm -hmm. aldactone is a little bit more of an issue, and I I have to I, I don't I don't think I have that list right here. I have the list, but I don't think I have aldactone on it. I don't mean that one. I don't remember. But if you send me it's just um you can send us a query and we'll send it over to dr lever on your behalf and uh, if we get any additional information we'll we'll forward it off to you right um so meg wants to know how cleveland clinic is scheduling patients i'm assuming you're speaking of in the covid time frame we 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 started out by canceling people through the middle of may and um but we, I don't know that we, we're going to be able to stay with that. It's really a problem. And um, um, 
I don't know. I mean, we're what we what I've been doing. I've been doing some virtual visits, and if a new patient wants to have my opinion, if you can get a hold of your old the echoes that have been done or angiograms that have been done or whatever data you have can be sent to my office and I can look at them on the computer and at least I'll have something that, you know, give you some idea. But it, this has caused no end of trouble and we are, we are really discouraging. We've eliminated all elective surgery. We are discouraging people from coming a long distance because of, you know, where are you going to stay if you have to stay overnight. I mean, if you stay at the clinic, we're probably all right, but you got to be careful on who you're going to be exposed to. And so things are kind of on hold, like we've never, ever experienced before. We've, I mean, this is just beyond anything that anybody's had to live through. So that we're just we trying to be cautious. We are living in crazy times and we're all being ultra, ultra cautious. Now, I, I know this is a little complicated to some people, the thought that myectomy is elective. But by its definition, could you explain to people who should be considering aggressively going after a myectomy right now and who should be waiting a couple of months until hopefully this passes? Well, I think if you're having severe symptoms, if you've had if you've had, you know, heart failure or atrial fibrillation or, you know, kick and you're having trouble walking across the room, that's a problem. And we'll have to, to deal with it. But you but the but technically, it's pro a problem getting here. And, you know, uh, uh, one of the problems may happen is that that the hospital will be filled with these patients. It's like all of a sudden, it's, it's like the, the, it just descends on you. And, and you know, the, the volume just suddenly increases. It's just bizarre. It's like something we've never seen before. The HCMA would like to thank Rode Microphones for their support of this podcast. Rode Microphones generously donated the Rodecaster Pro soundboard to help make this podcast possible and to help us sound so good. Thank you, Rode Microphones, for your support. We are definitely living in peculiar times and trying to make the most out of the situation to keep as many people safe as possible. Um, I know that many of your colleagues over at the Cleveland Clinic are on the front line. It may be slow right now. Right. But I'm in New Jersey. It's very, very, very real here. New York just had, you know, the the comfort come in to, to dock today to act as a hospital for non-COVID patients. So basic heart attacks and chest pain and stroke and broken limbs and appendicitis will all go to the comfort and the hospitals in the city will be facing unparalleled experiences in dealing with these patients with a severe lung interaction. I will ask you one COVID question because there's a little debate out there over ibuprofen versus Tylenol for fever reduction. What would you recommend? Well, to I think what I, I think I'd try to the Tylenol because there's been this question about the ibuprofen and I don't know how good the data is. So I've been telling people that they ought to use Tylenol. Okay. It's not based on much science. It isn't, but I've, I'm a part of a number of uh, groups of medical professionals from around the world, and it seems to be pretty consistent that they feel that if you use the ibuprofen early in the process before the for the first fever, the second fever, that it's blocking the body's response to inflammation and thereby making it more aggressive. And the Tylenol doesn't have the same response on inflammation, and thereby, I don't understand all the science, but that's generally what I'm hearing is... Tylenol over ibuprofen, so that's helpful. 
Um, so Tom says he's really glad that he got his myectomy in the nick of time. And I guess he was one of your patients because he right. said, thanks. Right, right. All right, guys, we thank Dr. Lover for joining us today. This is a highly informative conversation. We're going to book Dr. Lover for later in the week or next week to come back and talk about all things HCM. So I'm sure we can have a really raucous discussion about obstruction in HCM and all the things that we need to do to manage that better. So Dr. Lover, thank you so much for joining us on this technology. Now you know how to use it so we can do right. it again. Right. Thanks a lot. Thank you all. Have a great day.